Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of boxing, Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken. Nice to be in your studio. I see the, <laughs> you know, the pictures up there. Just very, very nice, nice touch. Um, you got the state of the art stuff going on over there. Um, it's like being in Paramount Studios, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> but I, I have my Raiders shirt on because you know, before you know it. It's getting here. Uh, draft draft week will be here. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine the NFL draft is going to be here soon? I mean, it's pretty, right? I mean, it, it doesn't seem it. like that, but it it will be. And um, it's, an, it's a new year, new hope. And uh, the Raiders, baby, the Raiders. The Raiders are going to be back. They're going to be... They're going to have a great draft with my son being in there. Obviously, the assistant director of scouting and uh, with the great Mike Mayock, the GM. And I, I do think he's a great GM. You know, I, I know it because my son tells me he is. But I I really feel that they're going to get the job done. They're going to have a real good draft. Uh, Teddy and his whole crew there, they're doing their work. They're getting ready to go out and see all the guys and you know make the trips and the the pro days will be coming up and all that stuff it's a different year obviously with the COVID uh, it's been a different year you know they couldn't get out and get about the way they normally do they had to look at more film and they had to look at old film too sometimes but at the end of the day Raiders Raiders baby Raiders they're gonna have an answer for Tom Brady and or Patrick Mahomes Yes, yes, they will. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get some guys that can track those son of a guns down. <laughs> <laughs> that can put pressure from the outside on the line and um, get a get a you know get some guys that can get after it, as they say in in the football realms, and fill the holes that have to be listen there's no doubt that uh, there has to be some defensive uh, spots that have to be tightened up with the Raiders there's no doubt about that uh, their offense looks pretty darn good uh, when it can be clicking on all cylinders but I'm going to get a chance to sing that Raiders song <laughs> I'm going to get a chance I'm going to get a chance to. I'm going to have to get the words in front of me again and uh, I'll get a chance they knock you about a pirate comes up and with the autumn wind it's a radar yeah i'll get it i'll get it together ken <laughs> um well speaking of the raiders i'm sure that as soon as they loosen up the covid restrictions like texas and some of the other states um we'll have to see some we'll probably see some big events come into allegiant stadium it's a beautiful stadium and i know they're dying to get some uh, crowds in there not just for the raiders but for some fight big fight events as well yeah, it's an incredible stadium. It looks like someone landed a, a spaceship in the desert. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's, it's it really it it stands out. Obviously, it's it's there in the desert, but it, it's amazing, state of the art. There's a couple of them, of course. Dallas has that has that unbelievable stadium, and California, I guess, has a couple. But uh, for me, the Raiders one is probably the top one right now. 
Hey guys, want to take a quick pause or give a thank you to today's sponsor. Uh, first up, we got PowerDot. As you may know, I'm an investor in the company, full disclosure. I love these guys. I mean, I was using the product, loved it so much, became an investor. Uh, some of the benefits of using PowerDot are that it promotes circulation. It helps muscles recover quickly between fights and workouts, uh, relieves pain by stimulating nerves. It's fully Bluetooth, Wi-Fi enabled. You connect it to your phone. I mean, it couldn't be more intuitive, easy to use. I I mean, the thing is awesome. Uh, helps with rehab from injuries by increasing circulation, act activating the muscle fibers that are that may have atrophied during the injury. Um, athletes love PowerDot. They sponsor a number of uh, pro athletes and fighters. Like I've said in the past, I've sent this to Dustin Poirier, Regis Progre. They use it religiously. I know Dustin was traveling with it to his fights in uh, Fight Island over in the Middle East. I think he used it on the plane before and after the fights. Um, also, this week, if you buy a PowerDot and send your receipt to thefight at hithardmedia.com, you'll have a one in four chance of getting it for free. So every four people that buy a PowerDot unit this week, we're going to refund one of those purchases, full refund. We'll be reimbursing the cost of one out of every four devices purchased using the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S. Just send your receipt to the fight at hithardmedia.com. Again, PowerDot's giving 20% off to all listeners with the promo code ATLAS, and you'll also get a one in four chance of getting it for free. Go to powerdot.com slash ATLAS to redeem the code. Next up, shout out to our guys at Amp Human, Jeff Byers, former USC standout lineman, uh, former NFL player, uh, and his partner Erica Good. These guys are the best. We're very happy to be working with them. Amp Human is a human performance company dedicated to helping people unlock their potential. Um, they, their, their top selling product is PR lotion. It's a sodium bicarb uh, topical lotion you put on before um, hard workouts. I use it three times a week before each hard run and each long run. Um, I use it religiously before races and competitive events. Their latest innovation is D-Plus Lotion. It's a first-of-its-kind gel-based lotion that delivers vitamin D directly through the skin. With limited sunlight during winter and more time indoors, there's never been a more important time to supplement with vitamin D. Add to the fact that vitamin D has been proven to combat uh, COVID. Um, a lot of people that have gotten really sick from COVID have been deficient in vitamin D, and most endurance athletes and athletes in general are deficient in vitamin D. Just two pumps applied to the inner forearms contain 5,000 IU of vitamin D3 to boost your immunity, improve sleep quality, and support brain function. Backed by two clinical trials, it's proven to be highly effective through your skin is really the best and easiest way to get vitamin D. To check it out and get a special offer, be sure to visit amphuman.com slash atlas. Use the promo code atlas to get 15% off your D-plus lotion today. Again, that's amphuman.com slash atlas. Use promo code atlas to get 15% off your vitamin D-plus lotion today. Well, we got a lot to discuss with UFC 259. Another big weekend for UFC. Uh, no boxing this weekend to speak of. There was a women's pay-per-view event, but I don't know that anyone tuned in. Um, nevertheless, we got UFC 259. Huge event. 15 fights. <laughs> Shout out to the announcing crew, John Anik, Joe Rogan, and Dan Daniel Cormier. I was tired just sitting in my basement watching the fights. I can't imagine those guys being on point for uh, however many hours the broadcast was 
was on, which was a long time. I mean, I think it ended at like 1 a.m. Eastern time. But um, started, let's jump into the main card, starting with the um, the opening card there with Alexander Rakic and uh, Thiago Santos. Um, Rakic gets the unanimous decision, 30-27, 29 and 29-28. Pretty one-sided event, but all stand-up. I don't know that they went to the ground at all. What would you see in that one? Yeah, we'll run through these. Uh, listen, Rakic, uh, he controls range very well. Uh, that's the first thing I noticed with his style. Uh, you come in 10 inches, he'll go back 14 inches on you, and he'll create a hole to counter you. I mean, that's his mindset. That's that's his approach physically and technically. The one thing I saw that he's going to have to be cognizant of, and his people are going to have to be cognizant of, is that I think you could catch him going straight back. That sometimes you could creep in a little bit into that starting area. You know, you can get into the foyer, so to speak, you know, of the of the guy's house. And from the foyer, you can get into the main rooms. And what I mean by that is you could get close enough to catch him as he steps back, maybe with a hook or you know, a long right hand if you step with him because he looks a little susceptible there. Uh, it was a cautionary fight, Ken. Uh, you know, a bit of a chess match, uh, especially in when you're talking about the UFC when you expect to get a little bit more action. Uh, definitely two thoughtful guys in there thinking it, uh, trying to not let the other guy get the edge. I had Rackets... Uh, winning his first two rounds by using his legs to step out and control range, set up the counters. And the third and final round, I gave it to Santos. So I had it two rounds to one for Rakic. Rakic is a guy, again, styles make fights. Styles make UFC fights too. You know, styles make fights in my business, in boxing. And um, UFC, no different. Difficult style. You know, he's got good size. He knows how to control range well. You know, he knows how to make you fight his fight. And, uh, you know, makes it difficult for you to negotiate distance with him, for you to close the gap with him uh, without leaving yourself available. That's what I saw, baby. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had uh, Islam Makachev versus Drew Dober. I was excited for this one. I thought Drew Dober would give him a, a real challenge, but my goodness, this was a one-sided beatdown from um, leading contender for coach of the year, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, in the corner of uh, Islam. But my God, what a uh, grappling display he put on. He manhandled Dober. He beat him from pillar to post, just all around ass-kicking. What'd you see in that one? I saw the add to Khabib's throne. That's that's what I saw. Um, you know, if there is such a thing. And uh, I also saw that if there's any doubt about that, if there's any doubt out there still, whether or not uh, how do you pronounce him? Uh, Makachev. Makachev. If Makachev, if there's any doubt left, that Magachev is special, I think he eliminated it uh, right there. He's the, I think he's the new force. I know that's a, that's a pretty bold statement uh, when you're talking about the UFC and they're so deep with talent and different kinds of talent. You know, talent striking, talent on the mat, uh, all, all the different dimensions of it. But for me, he's, 
he's the new force, or definitely you got to think of him in those kind of terms, I think, in the UFC. And as you just touched on, Ken, he's also coached or helped coached by the legendary Khabib, and he was close to Khabib's father, who who was instrumental in giving him some coaching. Uh, so I, I thought... I thought that the Khabib influence and similarities were, were pretty obvious uh, from physically, technically, and mentally. Uh, strong, tremendous, physically strong, tremendous on the takedowns. Obviously, when he gets to the mat, unbelievable. So, so confident. And mentally together, in what I felt was almost a spiritual confidence and mentality, uh, you know, just, just a, like I said, a confidence, a mentality, uh, a spiritual strength and belief. You could see it and you could feel it, as you did with Khabib, the same way. For me, that's, that's how I read it. And he behaves, he believes like a guy that has that supreme confidence we talk about, that he can't be beat. You know, that he's got that aura, that, that true, deep belief. And that's why I say it's almost spiritual, spiritual, where he, you're not going to beat him. When he goes in that ring, there's only going to be one result in his mind. And um, he can't lose. And his technique on the mat is just flawless. So for me, again, a, a great combination like you saw with Khabib of... Great technique on the map, great confidence, uh, great knowledge of where he is, everything, but also great physical strength and, and to go with the mental strength. And just, I thought it was a tremendous display, an awesome, really awesome, just overwhelming display of a guy that is starting to put his kind of imprint on the UFC in the way that Khabib did where like this guy is special this guy is gonna keep winning another part of that murderer's row from Dagestan that was his uh, seventh win in a row for um, for Islam you know I want to say one other thing I tweeted I, I just reminded myself looking at my notes here I, I tweeted Dorn I know you were on top of my tweets that watching them uh, at night I, I know that. I appreciate that. I You know, I'm a tweeting maniac now. Everybody's starting to understand that. And um, I feel like I'm going to work, you know, like when, when there's, <laughs> you know, I'm, okay, let's get ready. You know, let's get ready to get those fingers, start tweeting, st sending the signals out there to Rob. And um, I, poor Rob, he can't go to dinner. <laughs> he, can't, you know, he can't, you know what I mean? He can't do anything. He said, hey, you're on tweet patrol, Rob. So, uh, but I tweeted during that, that fight, Ken, where I said watching, watching him at that, at that time, Makachev, uh, was, was for me tantamount to watching, watching him on the mat perform was like watching Pennell Whitaker in a ring standing in front of you where you can't hit him in the backside with a handful of buckshot. I mean, no matter how you slice it, it's pure science. 
You know, whether it's, again, whether it's UFC, whether it's boxing, it's pure science. And as I tweeted, this is sweet science at its best. The sweet science at its best. You know, again, whether it's the UFC side of it or the boxing side of it, it was appreciated by me what I was watching. The level, the level of what I was watching. Yeah, you said during another tweet, you said it was like floor chess, and that's exactly what I was thinking when um, everything that Dober tried to do, Makachev had a counter for it, and almost seems like the more Dober tried to get out from under him, the more the, the better position that Makachev would score. He'd move one way, next thing you know, Makachev's in a full mount. He'd move another way and get to half mount, and Makachev would then take his back. It was just crazy. It was everything he did, there was a counter for it. It reminds me of the book um, Art of War. Everything he did, there was a counter that put Makachev in an even better position. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like if you were doing something in quicksand. You make a move, you go deep. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You know? It was masterful. It was. It reminded me of like when you're watching the fight, and on TV you tell, almost yelling at the other guy, like when he when when the guy on the bottom makes one move, you're like, okay, now go for this, now go for that. It was like he was like three steps ahead of what you could even think he could do. Well, I can't wait until you start coaching the UFC guys. I mean, you've already made your presence known in boxing, obviously <laughs> helping Ruiz knock out Joshua, and you know there was a few fights that, that 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 you've obviously imposed uh, your yep. knowledge into the into the corners there and into the event. But I can't wait until you start. I, listen, you should be starting with the UFC. Why wait? <laughs> well, I did help get uh, Chem Killich a lot better in our sparring sessions in Philadelphia yes. last year. Yes, no, that's <laughs> that's true. And also you had a little sparring session. It's out there on the internet with the man who's got a big fight coming up in a few weeks. He's been on our show. He's a friend of ours, Francis Ngannou. Uh You yep. did a little spar with him, unless that's been erased from the... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I told him we were just using hands. He started throwing kicks, completely unfair, but whatever. We'll get him in the rematch. Yeah, that, uh, no, that's true. That's true. Um, speaking of Chem, uh, good luck to Chem Killich this weekend. I think he's got a fight coming up on March 12th. But um, in the in the next fight, um, the title fight, Petra Jan and Aljamain Sterling. I was really wanting to see Aljamain win this fight. Obviously, he he's now the champion per the disqualification of Petra Jan. But I had texted to Rob, I think, at the beginning of the second round. I said, Petrion's going to win this fight. Because after the first, I thought, oh, wow, Aljamain Sterling looks really good. And right around the beginning of the second, you could just see that ebb in the action. And you could see him start to slow down. And in the first, Petrion, perfectly patient, rolling with the punches, high guard. But Sterling looked great. But, man, his output was incredibly heavy. And um, Petrion rolled with it let the tide come in and then when the tide started going out and Petra's tide started coming in it was like Aljamain was just wilting under the pressure and right until he hit him with that illegal knee which we'll get into um he was starting to dominate I mean Aljamain's takedowns were half-assed at best he was just kind of shooting for takedowns almost to avoid the strikes and you could just tell his the gas tank was empty and Jan's confidence and and fitness were just far superior and his technique everything it was just and then the and then with the the, the illegal knee at the end 
I thought it was the right call. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think about whether or not you should be able to win the title on a disqualification. But one thing that was clear is while he was down on the ground, you could hear the ref, even before it happened, you could hear the ref say, don't hit, don't knee him. He's down, he's down. And then boom, he hit him with that illegal knee. The only thing I didn't like about that, and again, I'll die, I'm dying to get your opinion on this, is I don't think it should be up to the fighter. If you hit someone with a concussive blow, even if the guy can get up and says, all right, I'll continue, he's in such a bad position, right? Because if he says he can't go on, the fans are going to crucify him, which is what they're doing to Sterling. If he if he does you know if he doesn't get up they kill him if he does get up he's already compromised he's been he's been hurt badly if that was a boxing match he would the fight would be stopped nevertheless I'm dying to hear what you think about all the different nuances on this one yeah a lot to talk about yeah a lot to talk about with this one uh, first of all I loved all the pre-fight quotes from both of them uh, both confident and both fought in that sort of way uh, the big difference Ken to everything you just talked about. From from a professional trainer's standpoint, from a former fighter's standpoint, um, it was all about, the biggest difference was about experience. Uh, seasoning experience, it showed. It really did. Because Jan, Jan was just, he was more settled and calmer than Sterling was. As, as, I, uh, as I tweeted... Jan was calm in an uncalm environment. And that's what you want to do. I mean, that's what it's about. And to get calm in an uncalm environment, and that takes experience. That's it. And by being more relaxed, he could see things, Jan I'm talking about, clearer and take advantage of Sterling's aggression and not burn up so fast. He was, he was just burning too much petrol too fast. And it reminded me, quite frankly... A little bit of my fighter, Alex Volsic, when we fought Better BF, where, where we, were, we were just going too fast early against him and beginning to just burning too much fuel. And Alex was winning. He was winning, you know, the first three quarters of that fight. Um, but we were burning a little too fast. And I, I saw the same things here, where Jan... Jan was tested early by Sterling. Give that guy credit. Um, you know, but give Jan credit too. His concentration and belief, they never wavered. And Jan showed how tremendously well-rounded he is in all facets of this game. I mean, standing, going on the inside, the outside, on the mat, everywhere. I mean, he was setting up smart counters, he was timing shots. He was, he was impressive. They both were with their behavior and with their readiness uh, and, and their action. But Jan's experience this season really showed and it benefited him, as you said, Ken, as, as, the, fight, as the fight went on. Um, well, Sterling's engine, it never shut off. But you could see him starting to wear down a little bit. And Jan was able to counter his aggression, use his aggression against him, catching him as he came in. Jan showed what I often speak of, of that, that talent of being steady. You know, I often talk about there's a trait 
there's a talent to being steady in life and in business and in the world and any vocation, definitely in the ring too. Being reliable, being steadfast, being steady, you know, staying within yourself. I've said it before, Michael Jordan, the great Michael Jordan used to talk about, don't let the game control you, you know, control yourself, you know, don't stay, stay in control of yourself. Don't let the game take you. You control the game. And you could see that. You could see that quality, that ability of steadiness. Uh, You touched on it before. It started to look like Jan was the ocean coming in and Sterling was that sandcastle that you build on a beach. But then all of a sudden, boom! Suddenly someone stepped on the sandcastle. That wasn't expected. And we had the late knee kick uh, by Jan while Sterling was down and Jan was DQ'd. So the fight was in control. I saw what I think everybody saw with Jan taking more and more control like the ocean again coming closer and closer and closer to taking that sandcastle and then all of a sudden the knee comes in um I asked Rob to put up some of the examples they'll be up there of guys there is precedence for this you know where I I believe or I know that the great champion John Jones his only loss came Fever DQ, I think it was with an illegal elbow. And as I tweeted, there's one in boxing when way back when Jack Sharkey for the heavyweight championship of the world, Ken, he was DQ'd for a low blow versus Max Schmeling and he lost his heavyweight title. And Sharkey was ahead, just like Jan was ahead in this fight. Sharkey was ahead. So there's a lot of precedent out there for these things. Roy Jones Jr., the great Roy Jones. I mean, tremendous talent. I think it was 34-0 at the time, if my memory serves me correct. Robert get it up there. And he fought another undefeated fight. I believe it was about 24-0. It was, um, it was on HBO. He fought Montel Griffin. And Jones got his first loss uh, by, I believe he hit Griffin when he was down on a knee. And and got disqualified. So this has happened before. It's not the first time it's happened, you know, in boxing or in MMA. And I I didn't understand some of the judges' scorecards, though, where one judge in that fight, I know it didn't go to the scorecards, but they put them out there, and one judge had Sterling winning, uh, when, as I said, I, I thought it was pretty universal that you could recognize that Jan was, you know, Jan was becoming the ocean as we as we use that analogy. And um, he was he was starting to really dominate the fight. Uh, now, look, I know that you touched on it again, Ken, where some people on social media, I don't go and read all that stuff, but I knew it was going to be there. You don't have to be the Mason Kreskin to know that people are going to come out with their their fangs and they're going to start putting their opinions out there. Um, on social media, I, you know, that thought that perhaps Sterling took advantage of the situation by saying he couldn't continue. 
look, two things. Number one, it was an illegal blow, okay? There's no d- disputing that. Uh, as you very well put it, it looks like he had time to contemplate it. It wasn't like it was one of those, it wasn't like a Vander Holyfield in the Olympics when he got disqualified. I thought it was horrible for knocking the guy out as the referee was starting to move in there, wasn't in the right position. The referee was starting to move in and say break. And when you break, you can't punch. And Holyfield already had sent a signal in his head to throw a left hook. And he's stepping in to say break and it's too late. Holyfield's already thrown a freaking punch. Are you kidding me? And they're going to disqualify Holyfield and keep him from winning a gold medal in the Olympics. It wasn't like this. You know, there was time. There was there was a pause in action. And, um, you know, number two, it was a clean knee to the head. And guess what? That hurts. <laughs> I mean, that does damage. So, again, to the people out there in the social media and everybody, could he have continued? Well, he didn't have to, number one. And you made a good point. Even if he did, He's still compromised. I mean, he's compromised. No matter what side of the fence you're on, you're a fan of Jans, or you just want to see the fight to its completion, and you don't care, and you should behave like a warrior, and you should find a way. Oh, I get it. But it was an illegal punch, a knee to the head. The guy's already been compromised. And, you know, if he continues... You're not getting his best. Now, look, I know that if it happens while you're on your feet, hey, it's your job to get through it. You're not at your best then, Teddy. People will start yelling, hey, Teddy, then you're not at your best. Yeah, but it didn't come from an illegal punch so or kick in his case. Um, it's a tough way to win or lose a fight. No one likes it, but it's the rules. I remember a fight where to the point, maybe to some of the point of people out there that are on the side of saying, hey, you know, he should have taken time and he should have continued. Again, you're not in his body or in his head in this case, number one. There are precedents for guys to not go on and get the title handed to them that way. I don't think they like it any more than the guy who's getting it taken away from him. Nobody likes it to go that way. But there's also precedent out there for guys who said, no, I'm not going to take the rest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the rest. I'm not going to take the win that way. And I'm going to complete this. I'm going to finish. And it happened. That was um, Anthony, Anthony Smith against John Jones. Same exact thing happened. And Anthony Smith, with time to contemplate it, I think he realized, like, I can I can take the title right now, and there's huge implications on the rematch when you're the champ. Now you're getting a huge share of the pay-per-view revenue. There's a lot of implications aside from just the title. Even if you're not comfortable with the title, there's big financial implications. Of course. And Anthony Smith had time to comp- contemplate, and I think he was like, you know what? I know I can continue in my heart. It's not right. I'm going in. Now, I'm not speaking for Aljamain Sterling. I mean, you could make the argument of it was an illegal shot. What if he poked his eyeball and burst his eyeball? And, and it, technically, could he continue? Yeah, he could keep fighting. But why should he have to? 
where do you draw the line? The ref, with a shot that severe, I feel like the ref should step in and be like, no, this is waved off. This guy's clearly hurt. He's been smashed with the knee to the head. Well, that's He's a down. good point because then you take away some of this controversy. You, and, you, and you don't leave the fighter out there in a way that he's out there now. Because now he's right. out there. He's out there as we're talking about now, and it's a good conversation. I knew it would lead to this. That's why I said at the top that we have a lot to talk about. Now the fighter has to, like, he, you know, he's, he's got to defend himself in a way that a fighter shouldn't really have to defend himself. You know, where now he's got to deal with the people coming at him saying, hey, you should have acted like a champion. You should have finished like a champion. You shouldn't accept it that way, whatever. So as to your point, if the referee just, and I think it's a good point, if the referee just says, hey, you got hit with a illegal blow and, and not to mention it's a knee to the head, it's done, it's over. You know, and, and After he told and, him not to do it. You know, and there is a case now, what did you say, Ken? The, the referee told, told the him? The referee told him during the fight, clear as day, do not hit him. He's down. Don't yeah. knee him oh, or yeah, kick no, him. He's I, down. That's what I mean. There was a pause. There was time for contemplation on it, it seemed. Like, hey, look, it, it speaks to what we talk about in legalities out in the world. Like, did somebody do something, you know, premeditated or did they do it spontaneously? You know, it's a big difference in a court of law. You know, of course. Uh, did, did you premeditatedly do this, or did you, you know, do it in a, a a moment of reflex, a moment of hatred, a moment of anger, a moment of defense, passion? You know, whatever it is. So yeah, you know, and that's manslaughter or murder or or self defense or whatever. But look, thank God we're we're not talking about anybody getting. Uh, badly hurt here, but you know what? That's why those rules are in place because you can get badly hurt in this combat sport. The the precedent for it that I wanted to touch on in boxing for the guy going on after he's been hurt was one of them was Gennaro Hernandez, who was a friend of mine. He worked with me at ESPN. I miss him very much. He's gone. He's up in heaven now. Uh, he passed away with cancer. He was a world champion. Janelle uh, had a tremendous human being and a great fighter. And he was fighting the great Azuma Nelson, Ken. And Azuma Nelson hit him. I'm trying to remember. I don't know. You probably have it there on the computer. You could help me. But I don't know if he dropped him with an illegal blow after the bell or whatever it was. But it was an illegal blow. He hurts him. And the referee stops it. And the referee lets lets Gennaro know that if you can't continue, you're you're gonna be the champion. You're you're gonna win the fight. You know, if you can't continue. Azuma Nelson punched him in the throat after the bell in the seventh round and he was badly hurt. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Thank you. And it's one thing if you're ready to get punched in the round and get hit in the throat, but if you're not ready and the bell rings, you let your guard down, someone hits you in a punch in the throat and you're not Preparing for it, yeah, it could cause serious damage. And, and it's a good example of what we're talking about here. Of course, it's not a knee to the head, but it's a good example. The guy's not ready for it, and he gets caught. And again, it's an illegal blow after the bell, so it's pretty clear. The referee tells him, look, you're the champ now. If you can't continue, it's up to you. Or you could 
take time, you know, five, ten minutes, whatever. I don't know how much time he took. And continue. Well, Gennaro Hernandez said, no, I'm not winning the title this way. I'm going to continue. I'm going to win it or lose it on my feet. The way, in my mind, a champion should win or lose it. And he got his rest, whatever amount of time it was that the referee let him rest. And and he went out there and he won the title. Now, a lot of people want to see that. I get it. I'm with you. I get it. But again, this is a knee. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a little different. But still, it was a, it was a, it was a damaging blow. And it was illegal. And again, we're talking about this and Sterling's having to suffer with this, which is unfortunate for either guy that he has to suffer with this right now when he didn't do really anything wrong except in a people mind that he's not behaving the way they want him to behave. But that could have been taken out of the picture with the referee just stepping and saying, hey, you, you kicked him in the head. You, you know, you knew that. You, I even warned you. And to your point, I even warned you, don't do it. And you did it. The fight's over. You know, if you get a rematch, you get a rematch. So um, that's that's what I, that's how I look at it. That's, that's again, Jan, Jan looks like, oh, he, he, he looks, he looks damn good. I mean, he looks like a, you know, as I said earlier, and breaking it down up to that point, a well-rounded guy. You know, uh, he he looks like the class in that division there um, for me, or at least one of them uh, at, at the very, very top. He was really starting to pull away in those late rounds, and um, you have to want I mean, you'd have to be crazy not to think that wasn't going through Sterling's head because right before the knee, like I said, it looked like Sterling was trying to go for takedowns in an act of desperation just to get out of the firing range. So it's it, it's just an unfortunate position that he had to be in. I feel bad that he had to make the decision because I think the doctor and the ref should have been like, this guy can't continue. I mean, he's laying on the ground. He's, you know, and so he's... But there's in a- another there's another element here that we can, we can examine too that really makes it even more... <laughs> it, it makes it more, I don't know if the word's interesting or confusing, to be honest. But... It, it brings more mistake to it, confusion, mystery to it. I don't know if we have it there right now, Ken, but... Just punch! Just punch! Ah, yes! Yes! The, yes! The guys went to the corner, to the audio of the corner of Jan. Yeah. And during the broadcast, after this, they went there and they showed the video and the audio... And it seemed like there was more than one coach there, at least two coaches. It might have been three, but at least two. And it seemed like one of the coaches for Jan was telling him to throw the kick. Yeah. It seemed that way. And then the other one was saying, no, don't throw the kick. And then you saw the visual. You heard the audio. And then you saw the visual of the video. And you could see the guy that had been employing him maybe to throw the kick, he celebrated like they won. And the other guy who was saying, don't throw it, you could see he covered it, he put his hands on his head like, 
oh no, we we just lost. Like he knew that they got disqualified. So it was very, it was interesting and very confusing at the same time to see two guys in the same corner for the same fighter thinking different ways, completely. You can't get more different. Well, one guy saying, "Yeah, go crack them," you know, along the lines of that. I don't, I don't know exactly. That's why I wanted you guys to get up that Rob to get up the video of it and and a and a audio, so I I could know exactly where I was going. But I know I'm in the vicinity where one guy is basically thinking, "Yeah, you got a chance to hit him with the knee," and the other guy saying, "No," and then their reactions, as I said. Uh, two opposite of one guy thinking, yeah, we, we won. And the other guy saying, oh, no, we just got ourselves disqualified. All that being said, it's on the fighter to know the rules. Jan speaks perfect English. The ref is telling him, don't knee him. I mean, even as as a spect, the guy's down on the ground. You can't smash him with the no, knee I in agree. the head. That's like, come on, man. You, it's on the fighter. That's number one. Number two, having been in the corner with you at the Vosdick Better Be a Fight, I can't imagine more than one person shouting instructions from a corner. When I hear that, I'm kind of like, holy crap, who's the captain of that ship? It's like a ship coming into port and everyone's screaming instructions and the captain's up there screaming his own instructions. Like one person needs to be in control in the corner. And I mean, I don't have to tell you this, you know this, but for the fans, like it, there shouldn't be multiple people screaming instructions for this exact reason. Yeah, otherwise uh, for me, it's pretty simple. Those other guys, uh, they... They go swimming in the ocean. <laughs> they, 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 I'll, I'll, you know, I hope their swimming abilities are good, you know, and I hope they have a life preserver because they're not going to be, you know, on that deck with me because there has to be one guy. And all kidding aside, yeah, there has to be one guy in charge. This is a serious, serious, serious business. And um, you can't have confusion. It's difficult enough. You got to have one clear voice, one guy in control. You know that old saying, too many cooks uh, spoil broth. You can't have more than one cook in the kitchen. Well, you you know, if that happens, you only get a bad meal. <laughs> if it happens here, you, your whole life changes. Yep. Your whole life changes. So, yeah, um, there's only one guy supposed to be in charge in that corner. But at the end of the day, as I said, I believe Giannis the class of that division. And listen, if there's a rematch, here, here, and and there will be, you would think, he'll undoubtedly be the big favorite. Jan will. Uh, oh, he's already opened at. When we announced this fight initially, it was dead even at minus one fifteen on each side. The fight went off, I think, at minus one twenty for Jan or one thirty. Uh, minus 110, plus 100 on Sterling, but very close. Now I think the new line opened at roughly minus 250 on Jan, which you can completely understand at minus 250 no, from what right. I saw. I didn't I know like that, Jan. but I, I was guessing it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I was speculating down that, down that. It's not too hard to figure that out. Um, listen, I'll tell you this. Uh, I'll say two things. With my bookie, uh, you could have made some good money the other night if you took some of those dogs couple of those dogs number one and um i think i don't know if this influence uh <laughs> the line but just my humble opinion from being in the fight business my whole life 
and watching such things, I think that Sterling will be helped. I know a lot of people are going to probably drop their jaw hearing me say that and say, what? You, what are you talking about? Teddy just lost. He got concussed. He got hit. Yeah, but he lost because he didn't have experience, enough experience in my book. And the experience of this fight will help him tremendously, tremendously. I don't think that Jan can get much better. I mean, I, 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 he can't fight too much of a better fight than he fought. He fought a hell of a fight, and he's a hell of a fighter. But I think that Sterling will be helped just by the experience of this fight, and he'll improve off of that. The line is now minus 260 on Jan, plus 220 on Aljamain Sterling. Um, speaking of lines, the biggest the biggest favorite of the night, Amanda Nunes, in an absolute destruction of Megan Anderson. I mean, not much to talk about here um, other, about the fight itself, maybe about Amanda Nunes, new mom, double champ. I mean, she's just running through people like it's like she's on a different level completely than the next best person. Um, blowout win, first round knockout. Just went in, ran her over, smashed her, did whatever she wanted to, choked her, armbarred her, punched her. In the, I mean, just a, a complete beatdown. Um, what'd you think? Yeah, that's what goats are supposed to do, right? Greatest of all time. You know, she's, she's definitely uh, verifying that label, uh, cementing that, uh, the uh, authenticity to that. To people who give her that label, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I had tweeted before her fight that, for me, I always try to make a comparison, if I can, to someone in boxing. To me, she's like Errol Spence in boxing, that she can go she can go get you, she can also outbox you. She has all the dimensions covered. And you know what? She does. She does. And I said that before during the, you know, during the broadcast. And... She's just so well-rounded, Ken, and so talented uh, in all those areas. You know, it's one thing to be well-rounded, but to be well-rounded at a high level of talent, eh, I guess that's what make, part of what makes you a GOAT. She can do it all, as I said, at a high level of excellence. Uh, I'll make another comparison that she made me think about with a fighter, a boxer, obviously. Her right hand, Ken, and the power in it and the effect it has on opponents reminded me of Tommy Hitman Hearns, you know, and his right hand. I don't know, maybe Robert be able to get up something with Tommy Hearns uh, for me. But let me tell you something. Tommy Hearns, man, he, he was shaking everyone up with that right hand. You know, he was, I mean, when he brought that right hand out, it got people's attention. I mean, right from the beginning when he won his first title. He won his first title by delivering that right hand on a fighter from Mexico, Mexican fighter who was world champion, Pepino Cuevas, a real big left hook artist. Big body and head. Big puncher with the left hook. And Tommy Hearns nearly decapitated him with the right hand. I mean, he, he just... Look, Tommy Hearns was a lot longer, a lot taller. I mean, the guy was a freak. He was six foot three in a hundred forty seven pound frame. I mean, you don't get that too often. I mean, it was unbelievable. And he, wow. 
I still visualize that, catching Pepino Cuevas, keeping him at the end of his jab, setting him up, having the delivery system, and then catching him and putting him to sleep with a right hand. Uh, the effect that Nunez has with that right hand on opponents reminds me of Tommy Hitman Hearns and the effect that, as I said, that he had on fighters uh, at that time. Also amazing... Also amazing was that in just two minutes, two times 60 seconds, two minutes, Nunez showed or showcased all of those multiple talents I just talked about. In two minutes. She showcased it all. <laughs> I mean, that that's pretty damn good. I mean, striking on the outside with her boxing skills, then pressing and showing her, as I just said, the explosive you know, power, and then the grappling on the mat. Wow. Wow. She tied her up wow. with a triangle from the top and then transitioned to an arm bar. It was unbelievable. Like, oh, the, I mean, credit to the announcers because I couldn't see any of that. And Rogan was, I think it was Rogan or DC was like, oh, she got her in a triangle. I'm like, a triangle? She just mounted her. I mean, it's crazy. very impressive. Like I said, uh, no wonder she's being called a goat. And no wonder that she has a commercial. <laughs> Not too many people have their own TV commercials. She's in a TV commercial. And um, now you could, you could kind of see why. She showed also, Ken, uh, I made sure I made a note to myself because I don't want to miss things like this. I think it's important. She showed great class afterwards too. You know, and that's just, I guess that's the icing on the cake. You like to see these great performers, these great athletes, um, and whatever they do, you like to see them do it with, with a touch of class. And uh, she did. She she did. And uh, wow, I mean, I, I'm I, I gotta I gotta give her the kudos and props just for getting my my man, my partner over here. To, to talk about triangles. <laughs> I mean, that, that, <laughs> I mean, that alone, that alone, Nunez, you're, you're the best. You're the best. <laughs> you got my man talking triangles and quadrangles and, and rectangles. And, you know, I mean, uh, this is good. This is good stuff. Well, this I've got good. the next great um, uh, jujitsu, um, female jujitsu player here from 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 Tennessee by way of Ethiopia being trained by the great uh, Cecilina Gracie. My daughter Tensei is always throwing jujitsu moves on me, so I'm getting to know the lingo a little bit as she like throws me around now. She's 10 years old. She's getting better every day. And you know what? It's funny. You brought her up. You're, you're proud of your daughter, and you have every right to be, and I've been lucky enough to have met her just on the show and a couple of the times where you know she talked and she sent a, a message out to me one time with you I think and I want to attach something that I just said about Nunes I'm not getting crazy she's not at that quite there yet with uh, in a ring but outside the octagon outside of it her class that young girl has class that that young lady you guys are doing a great job she she has she exudes Class and character. That's all I want to 
I would love to take credit for it. I always think about um, nature versus nurture. And fortunately for us, she she came like that. She's just the nicest person. My sons could use uh, an, a, a, a dose of her kindness at times. <laughs> yeah. Nevertheless. And you have great sons too. They're great. And uh, Sometimes. And, no, they're, they're <laughs> Sometimes. Great. Those guys are great. <laughs> Uh, they are tell them I said so, and uh, your wife's doing a great job. <laughs> you like this? I, you know what I tell them when she learn when my daughter learns new jujitsu. She's ten. The boys are nine, seven, and five. When she learns a new jujitsu move, I'll tell her, "Hey, I tell the boys, hey, if you get on the ground, if you can get out of this holds from Tensei, I'll give you a dollar. Tensei, if you keep him down and hold him down for ten seconds, I'll give you the dollar." Uh, it, it ends in tears. Either she, either they get up and she cries or she holds them down and they cry. One way or the other, someone's crying. So we're working on that mental toughness. But hey, you mentioned Tommy Hearns, and I just wanted to point out that one of my favorite young fighters to watch is this kid, Sebastian Fundora. And only because you talked about height and weight, six, five and a half. He's super welterweight, so he's a little bit heavier, 154, but super welterweight. Uh, six five and a half. He's he's sixteen and zero with eleven KOs for out in California from out in the uh, West Palm. Um, he he lives out in Coachella. But I love watching that kid fight. When you see six five in there at one hundred and fifty four pounds, I mean, usually he's got like six or seven inches at least on everyone else. Anyway, you know what? You know, listen. I hope he does real well. I hope he continues to as he steps up and gets tested, as as is always the case when you find out about fighters, obviously. Um, but uh, I hope what doesn't happen is what Muhammad Ali once whispered to Will Chamberlain when they were talking. You were talking about size, right? Height. Yeah. So when uh, when Ali whispered to Will Chamberlain when they were talking about making a fight with Ali and Chamberlain, and Ali went behind them and said, "Timber, <laughs> <laughs> no more fight. Fight, fight was over. So yeah, yeah it's great to be tall as long as you don't." You don't fall tall and, you know, you don't let the guys get close to you. Um, well, all of a sudden, one night you're going to have a timber going on. And and in all seriousness, I would always say when I was doing a broadcast for ESPN at ringside, I would always say that, yeah, great, great, great advantage being tall along if you know how to use it. If you know how to use it, it's great. But then if a guy gets close to you, the shorter guy and you don't know what to do when a guy invades your your territory, so to speak, and he gets into that distance, and you continue to stand tall, well, now it's a detriment. Now it's a detriment, because, like, I, and the way I would say it is, it's like being in front of a tall building. There's a lot of windows to break, <laughs> you know? So, so that's something that he's going to have to obviously learn as he moves forward up that ladder, and boxing. Yeah, well, like I said, he's only 16 and always being brought along very cautiously so far. He's got 11 KOs, but I like watching him. He's He's got some talent. Be curious to see, like you said, the real test is when you start stepping up in competition. So he's doing what he has to do now, so it'll be fun to watch and see what he does, but I just like seeing him in there. It looks it looks crazy to see a guy 6'5 at 154. Uh, nevertheless, moving on to the main event, um, Israel Adesanya, Jan Blahovich. Uh, unfortunately for our man, Izzy got outpointed here, lost the unanimous decision to Jan in the fourth and fifth. Jan got him down on the ground, and when he got him down on the ground, it was literally like no offense to Izzy. It was like a fish out of water. Jan was just so heavy on him. He couldn't really do much with him. 
they the, the the visually they didn't look to be that much of a difference but when they got on the ground and Jan got on top of him he was just he smothered him he just held him down didn't do a lot to him while they were on the ground but nevertheless he had full top control held him down for most of the rounds and um you know first and second round I thought Izzy looked good he was moving well striking kicking he clearly had an advantage in the kickboxing I thought but Unfortunately, got outpointed, but credit to Izzy for stepping up and daring to be great. You know, he went up a whole weight class, challenged, put his undefeated title on the line. But it's one of the things that we all love about the UFC is that you don't have to be undefeated to be a superstar. Look at Conor McGregor, look at Izzy, uh, Stipe and Francis are going to get after it in the coming weeks here. Both have losses. It's just part of what's the UFC and part of what probably will make Izzy a better fighter in the long run. And I think the next time he gets the opportunity to step up, he probably gets it done. A big learning experience for him, but you know, he's had kickboxing matches at heavyweight, so it wasn't that foreign, but once they got on the ground, it was one-sided. Um, what'd you see there? Yeah. Uh, first off, let's get it out of the way right away. As we always like to be transparent here. I picked the wrong guy. I picked Adesanya to win. So let's get that. A lot of people did. Yeah, well, I I have to deal with what I did. <clears throat> so that's the first thing. Um, I also did point out that although Bosovich was 38 years old, which a lot of people thought would be maybe, maybe a factor uh, in this fight. A lot of people actually did think that. Uh, and of course, Adesanya, although smaller, was younger, that... I made the point that in boxing, there were fighters, great champions, who were winning some of their biggest fights in their late 30s, like the great Jersey Joe Walcott as a Charles, both heavyweight champs, and the great light heavyweight champion, the old mongoose, Archie Moore. You know, they, you could say that they were at their best in their late 30s with some of the competition that they beat. And of course, if I'm going to go down that road, uh, you got to throw in Bernard Hopkins, uh, and you can't leave out the great George Foreman. Uh, so age was obviously didn't turn out to be a disadvantage here. Um, and it could have been, as a lot of people speculated, but it turned out obviously it wasn't. Uh, we knew that Blazovic was the biggest, stronger guy. But many, and as I said, including myself, thought that the quicker, fast Adesanya could use those advantages. And um, obviously the people in Las Vegas probably thought that too because they had Adesanya as a favorite, right, Ken? Adesanya was... Yep. Uh, was Yeah, was pretty, a, pretty sizable favorite. Yeah, I think was, at one point maybe minus 250. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to, to those, those poor casinos out there that I moved them the wrong way. I'm sorry, guys. I... You, you might have to put up one less chandelier uh, next month. Um, but to Blas... <laughs> but to uh, Trofitt's credit, here's, here's the key to me and what I bring on this show that should be brought for me, that has to be put out. We understand all the semantics. We understand the size and this and that and figuring what's going to happen and all of it up until the point that it happens. But to Blazovic's credit, he used smart fundamentals very, very well. And, you know, he didn't have to sizzle 
type of dynamic talent that Adesanya has that we can often fall in love with, Ken. You know, and I've talked about this many times on this show where I often say, you hear me say it, that one guy has that neon talent and we fall in love with it. You know, then it was like, whoa, wow, it's dynamic talent. It's, you know, it's, you look at it, it's, it's so easy to, to fall in love with. And, and then we forget about the other talents that are out there. I talked about it earlier, about being dependable, about being steady, about being fundamentally solid. You know, we forget about that time, that talent. And Adesanya is tremendous, you know. But there is that less combustible talent, as I just talked about, that doesn't glow in the dark, steady and effective, and it's just good, solid fundamentals. Um, and that's a talent. And Blazowicz displayed it. That's actually actually part of what went along with his displaying his talent was how calm he was. And as I said, how steady he was. His approach, his togetherness. And those talents, those traits, they're developed. You're not born with them. Some of the other towns, you're genetically, you know, predisposed to them when you're born with your parents. But these other things are acquired. You can acquire them. You can develop them by the way you live, by what you put yourself through, by what you, what you condition and train yourself to be. And those talents were on display really for everybody to see. I hope people didn't miss it. I hope at the end of the day they didn't just see a bigger guy and a stronger guy, you know, who wound up getting the smaller guy on the mat long enough to, you know, to take the fight. I hope they saw that while they were standing, his effective jab. I thought that Adesanya missed the boat a little bit by not using his jab enough. Um, his long jab. He's got a very good jab and a long jab. Uh, he didn't use it enough. And when he did, sometimes his punches weren't long enough. He didn't stretch him out enough. And he allowed Blasovich to get into range. And Blasovich scored because of that. But Blasovich, when they were standing, he was using a jab, kind of like George Foreman was against Joe Frazier. You know, not as dramatic. It was I, but it was it was doing the same job. George Foreman's jab with Frazier before he took him out with the uppercut was discombobulating uh, Frazier. It was keeping his rhythm off, not allowing him to get into gear. And the same thing, I saw Plashovitz with that jab, straight, strong, shorter than the jab of Adesanya but accurate, and again, it wasn't allowing Adesanya to get a rhythm. It was discombobulating him, throwing him off, and it was really effective, and it was sending a message. I can get to you this way, and you know I'm going to get to you in my way. 
You know I'm the better guy on the floor. We haven't gotten there yet. But I can handle myself standing in your element, in the things that's your forte, in the things that you're supposed to dominate. I, I'm good here too. So it's sending a little bit of a message, a mental message, a confidence message, you know, which is all part of the, the sport, all part of the game, all part of the deal. So I found it very interesting and I wanted to make sure that I properly gave, we always give credit to Adesanya. I think he's a special talent. I think he'll come back. I think he's a special person. But this, I want to give credit to Blasovich for doing the things, the subtle things. Again, we look at his size and maybe we say, oh, he had an advantage. He was the bigger guy. Yeah, sure. He got a hold of him. No. Before we ever got to that, when he was supposed to be the slower guy, the less mobile guy, the easier to hit guy, the easier to outmaneuver guy, he wasn't those things. Why? Because he didn't rush in. If he would have just behaved like the bigger guy, like a bull in a china shop, maybe a little like Costa did um, against Adesanya in the fight before, right? Adesanya's fight before that. Maybe, maybe. I'm not knocking Costa in any way at all. But I'm just saying, Blazovich chose to be and showed to be, Ken, a lot more than just a big, strong guy. He he didn't just rush in. If he would have just rushed in in those early rounds, well, then you would have saw the speed advantage. You would have saw the counter-punching technique. Uh, and a great striking ability of Adesanya. And he would have had an edge because of that. Then the smaller guy would have been allowed to have an edge as a smaller guy and taken advantage of a bigger guy who's slower, less technical, less mobile. But it didn't happen because the bigger guy said, I'm going to be more than just a bigger guy. I'm going to be a smart big guy. I'm going to be a technical big guy. I'm going to be a fundamental big guy. I'm going to be a solid, dependable big guy. Wow. That, that's what he was. He used his jab. He took his time in his approach. He worked his way in. He didn't leave himself open. He didn't rush, you know, rush in there like I just said. I'm going to be the bigger guy. I'll just get in there fast. Yeah, then you would have been the smaller guy because you might have got dropped as you were rushing on the way in. He didn't do any of that. He was, he was smart. He was contained. He was deliberate. He knew exactly what he needed to be. He was in control. And that should be given credit. And I'm, I made sure coming in today, that he's going to get credit for that. And that, and credit to Adesanya, too, because he was fighting this time more than just a big guy. He was fighting a well-rounded big guy, a smart big guy, a really together big guy. And, you know, so I give a lot of credit to Adesanya just for doing what he did and getting to the end of that fight. Uh, and and I had it 2-2 at one point. That's another thing we could talk about. There's a lot to talk about. I had it 2-2 going into the last round, and there's no doubt that 
But Zovich dominated that last round. No doubt about it. So you want to give him an extra point? Okay, so they had the right guy winning. I have no problem with that. I have a problem with the disparity in the scores, with the size of the scores, with, I think, two of those judges. Where they had it. 49-45 on two cards, 49-46 on another. I have a problem with that. I thought that we had judging problems only in boxing. I got news for you. You guys got problems too. <laughs> you guys got problems too over there. Rogan and all you guys with, your, with, with, the, uh, with, with the judging over there. I, I thought it was only me. It was only us over here. Joe, all of you, uh, you, guys got, you guys got your own mess sometimes with those judges. And I, I, I don't get the math. I don't get the math. I get you give an extra point for the last round, but the rest of it, again, uh, you guys got to deal with it, not me. But I was like, wow, I thought boxing was the only ones who got it all wacky. But I, I, um, I was very impressed with Blasovich. Again, his patience, uh, how how he was able, you know, just to. His whole procedure um, and his approach the whole night, his preparation. uh, And then, obviously, once he did get Adesanya on the ground, well, then you saw the, the, the strength of, you know, the difference in size. He's a bulky guy. He's a heavy bone guy. He's a thick guy. You saw the advantage of strength and size then. And technique, very good technique uh, to go with it, you know, not just a clumsy bear, but, but, you know, a guy that knew what the figure was doing to use that size on the floor. And I, I tell you, there was, there was something, um, there was one thing, I want to find it, I want to make sure that it, oh, I always say, Ken, that the most important part of a fight for me, when I'm going to analyze a fight and I'm watching a fight, is the geography. Who controls the geography? That, I think I tweeted that. Who controls the geography? That's the first thing I'm looking at. The geography to allow them to use whatever their talents are to the best possible level. Who, whoever puts themselves in a proper geography to use their set of, of ability, their sets of talent in the best way. They're going to usually win the fight. Whoever wins that battle, that battle of geography. And right as the fight was going on, I'm watching, obviously the geography that Adesanya needs to own and control is the outside and the sides. Not just the outside, but the sides. That geography. And the geography, of course, that that Blazovich wants to own and take is as close as he can be. Not only to impose his size, but also mentally as I touched on, to impose himself, his size, if you will, his strength, in a mental way, 
that you're not going to get me to fall into your geography. You're not going to get me to behave the way you want me to behave, which would be like a, a wild man or maybe a, just an uncontrolled big man, a reckless big No. And that that was strength. That was mental pounding that was go, being put forward. Mental posturing, mental fighting uh, that was being put forward too. And the geography was was really well, well, well controlled uh, by Blasovich. I, I I was I was impressed. I was impressed, and uh, I think that Adesanya will go back. Well, he said it; he'll go back down. Uh, I think you'll probably see him come back up there. He's a young guy. He's a talented guy. He'll probably wind up coming back and giving it a try again. Uh, but I'm going to say one other thing I got to say here. And I know some people are going to take homage with it. Um, I I think that some people maybe will, will say, oh, what do you apologize? What are you making excuses? Um, and I'm not. I would never do that. Uh, and Adesanya would never do that. And he showed class at the end too. But my eye, my sense for what I saw and know of Adesanya, and it happens, I don't think he was at his best. I, I don't think that was the best. Now listen, I know Blasovich had a lot to do with it. I know, you know, he was... He put forward what he had to put forward to bring that about. I'm with you. But sometimes guys get in, whether you're on the stage performing, whether you're on the ball field performing, you know, whether you're in your office giving a board meeting, you're, whether you're a doctor who's walking into the operating room, when you're a lawyer going into a courtroom, whether you're a fighter going into a ring or a UFC fighter going into an octagon, some nights you get there and it's not all there. It's just not all there. Now listen, it's your responsibility to take it and make the most of it and to find a way. That That's it. I get it. I, I'm 100%. It's your job. If that's what happens, you know, you could argue the great ones... You know, they do it when they're not great. And they find a way. I think Adesanya found a way to get through the fight and do the best he could under the circumstances. But I do not feel that he was at his best. I just feel that something, maybe in an interview, maybe if we get him on, he's not the kind of guy who's going to make excuses. I give him all the credit in the world. That night he wouldn't make any excuses he did know he did mention he didn't sleep I think he mentioned that but I just had a feeling before he said that just the way he was moving I just felt that he was off he was a little off from that athlete that usually gets in there hitting on all eight cylinders and and again please please don't think that in any way I'm making an excuse for this guy. He doesn't need me to do that. He wouldn't allow it. 
I wouldn't do it myself. Uh, it, it wouldn't. Uh, that's that is not something you do uh, in life. But it is something you recognize if you're in the seat that I sit in, and you think you recognize. And I think from these eyes that have been in this business and fighting that I recognize that he just wasn't quite at that place. And a lot of it had to do with Blazovich. There's no freaking doubt about that. But I just think that, uh, you know, you if you have a guy who's a 10 in talent and he wants to go in there with that 10, he might have went in there with 8. And, and, and again, people are going to, calm down, calm down. The right guy won that night. Why? Because he did what he had to do. So I'm not, dis- I'm not in any way dismissing that or, or attacking that. But I believe that he was a little off. But it's your responsibility to figure it out, to pull it together, you know, and, and get it done. And... uh Blasovich got it done. Yep. Well, that's a pretty thorough um, analysis on UFC 259. Great event all around. One thing we have coming up this weekend in boxing, which we hadn't uh, planned on talking about it, but um, Juan Francisco Estrada rematching uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. If you remember the first fight in 2017, Gonzalez got the unanimous decision, but oh my God, what a barn burner. Like... I don't know if it was fight of the year, but good Lord, I've watched it several times on YouTube. It's such a good fight, such high level. Funny enough, both combined, they have four losses. Three of them are to the uh, are to the same Thai fighter. Um, guy's name is, I know I'm going to butcher it, but his name is Wissaskal Wangek. He beat... Um, <laughs> He beat Gonzalez twice, his only two losses, and he beat um, Estrada once. So, but that, to me, that this is as good as boxing gets. This is high level fighting. Um, two awesome competitors, little guys. They're going to bring a lot of energy and a lot of power. Um, I don't know. Like I said, we hadn't prepared to talk about this one, but you got any thoughts on that matchup? No, well, it's fan friendly. First of all, Styles Big Fights, I said it earlier, right? Uh, UFC or in, you know, boxing. And those styles are always going to make good fights. Those fighters are always going to be in good fights. They can't help it uh, but be in a good fight because of their styles. And when I say their styles, I mean their styles uh, physically, technically, and mentally, where they have that mental approach to to get to you. And so that's part of it. Uh, and, And the other part of it is the physicality of both fighters and the, and the way they go about uh, bringing their physical abilities, you know, in, uh, in a very aggressive technique. So they, they don't know how to make anything but good fights. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it should be another good one because of all of that. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll watch a guy on TV and I'll break it down and everybody would be wanting the guy to be more aggressive. And, you know, he's he's got all the physical trappings to be everything that somebody might think he should be. You know, uh, good puncher, good fast hands, good form, you know, uh, good legs, whatever. So he could box, but he could also come forward more because you could see that obviously he might have an edge on the guy. 
and that he could do that. Even though, for the most part, he's going to have an advantage on the outside boxing because that's you know that's that's where his skills really really glow. That's where they really shine. But a lot of times you hear guys yelling at the TV set. You know, probably you too, where he's saying, "Come on, go get him, go get him." But the thing that I would always say during those times, and sometimes the people next to me, the guys that were, you know, doing a broadcast with me would be like arguing, like, how come he's not going forward? How come, you know, he could... Because just like you have to have physical attributes to do certain things, you have to have mental attributes. And your style, we talk about your style physically, but your style up here, your mindset... Your your temperament is your temperament. And if your temperament and you were brought up, and who knows, it's all part of your upbringing. Maybe you were brought up where something happened to you. You got hurt where early in your career where you tried something. You got whatever. Or the lifestyle of the people around you was the kind of lifestyle where it kind of taught you to be careful. You know, whatever it was, that becomes you. And part of it now is embedded in you. It's ingrained in you. It's, it's, it's your temperament. It's your makeup. So you're going to be careful no matter what. No matter what. Even if the guy goes like this a little bit, you're still going to come in a little care because that's your makeup. That's as much your makeup as your physical makeup. A lot of people don't realize that. that that's, that's it. That, because you... And then, like I said, I get frustrated with the guys sometimes calling the fights with me. They'd be like, how come you don't come forward? You know, you got to start coming. Because that's not his temperament. Because he's not made that way. You know, yeah, physically he could do it. We see that. But mentally, that is the captain of the ship. That is the general. That is the dictator of what's going to be. And he ain't made up that way. And to the point that you're bringing up talking about this fight, their mentalities are that way. That's why you're going to get a good fight. Their mentalities are that way. They are no matter where they are in life. They, that's how they think. That's how they go about their life. That's how they go about their business. So you, you should get another good fight. And the thing I want to finish with, with the... Uh, the Blasovich and um, Adesanya. Adesanya fight. I just wanted to say that in the end, I just wanted to give kudos to both men because great job, as I've been saying throughout this segment, Blasovich, great job by Blasovich and great credit to the smaller man's challenge. And um, so respect to both of them uh, for what they what they took on that night. The bigger man took on a smaller, faster guy who could have made a fool, potentially could have made a fool of him, you know, could have outsmarted him, danced circles around him, did like Pacquiao did to De La Hoya. Everyone thought Pacquiao was too small small for De La Hoya, and he, he, he destroyed him. Side moves, came at him, moved to this, everything. Too fast, too mobile, too good. And that was potentially in the making in this fight, potentially. And so credit to that big son of a gun that he was more than that, 
that he didn't let that happen. He didn't let that happen because he used other techniques. He used good fundamental techniques and a good mind to not let that happen. And credit to Adesanya for taking that challenge and not maybe being at his best, whatever, but not doing what he needed to do in those circumstances, yet his character and everything else still allowed him to get through the fight. Still, and and be competitive enough with, listen, again, I don't know what, I, I don't know what planet these numbers were coming from, but for me, it was 2-2 going into the fifth. You know, you you want to give the guy 22 extra points for that last round? Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. But uh, good job to both men. I'm glad you came back to that because the part of that, the comment of Adesanya made about not sleeping was a joke in reference to Costa. Costa the week before the fight came out and said he couldn't sleep the night before his fight with Adesanya. So he had a glass of wine, then a half a bottle and drank a whole bottle of wine. So he was hung over at the fight and, and Israel was taking a shot at him by saying he couldn't sleep before the Blahovich fight because Adesanya is not one for excuses. But um, yeah, I'd be curious to see how he bounces back. Uh, Adesanya is a special fighter. I'm sure he'll be back better than ever. And like you said, he's only going to get better from this. Um, so yeah, good fight coming up this weekend. Uh, Estrada Gonzalez, full breakdown on the USC 259. That was a fun one, Teddy. Thanks for doing it. Um, hope the fans enjoy it. If you like it, please leave a comment, share the links. You know the drill. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, all the usual requests, and uh, thanks for being with us. We'll be back next week.